going on 14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And if you'd told me two months ago that Mariah Carey and Burt Backrack were going to conspire to delay this episode by a month, <laughs> I'd probably have believed you because that's a weirdly specific thing to say. Yeah. And all of it's true. All I want for Christmas is to be able to do the top 10 list. Right. <laughs> With no Christmas songs. Yeah, we were attempting to do the uh, annual Billboard Top 10 show, but uh, the Christmas music would not drop off the list. Yeah, we, we've been promising this now for four episodes. Mm. But uh, but yeah, so you know what? Honestly, I think we should find ourselves a new time and do this. We're almost kind of like right after the awards. Mm. Uh, if you like awards, you might like the shows on the Podcast Collective, such as I Am Salt Lake, Tales from the Hard Side. The Portland Beer Club podcast, and of course, the award-winning Rad Dad Radio Hour. <laughs> Jesus. I taped and screwed it for you this week. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know, Ladmo? <laughs> yes, if you're looking for more of this, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, PodverseFM, NoonFM.com. We are all over the place. Uh, if you want to give us a call, it's 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727. He says, kind of assuming we have no voicemail. I'm assuming that, too. Oh, right. <laughs> you have no voicemail. No, I'm pretty sure we don't, because I should get an email every time we get an, a voicemail. Yeah, do you hear that? Every time you leave a voicemail, Josh gets an email. Oh, challenge. Yes. Can you clog his inbox? Nigerian Prince has all this money for me. But did he leave a voicemail? Until I care. No. He didn't get dick, then. Well, he might get dick. Okay, then. I think it's about that time. <laughs> Depends on what he's doing. This week in music, movies, and TV. All right. So this week, uh, Patrick has chosen January 27th, 1980 for the theme. You're technically Josh chosen. Oh, well, then Josh did. I'm proud yeah. of you, Josh. I choose things. Josh is doing stuff. I choo-choo-choose January 27th. Wow. All right. So, uh, <laughs> music. The number one song in the land was... Wait. Hold on. The number one song in the land will be revealed later. No cheating. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. This, this is the week we're going to be talking about for then. <laughs> Clever. I went into it all ready to say what it was. And on January 21st, that was the release of the debut album by The Pretender. Anybody? Nothing? Yeah, they're they're good. I've never been like a huge pretenders. Yeah, I enjoy their music, but I'm not like gonna go see them in concert. He doesn't celebrate their whole catalog. Exactly. <laughs> He's not like, oh my god, Crazy Hyde. Who? See, ah, uh, it was a little jokey joke. Smelly cat, smelly <laughs> cat. I prefer to do my own pretending. Ah, I've never been real. You're not real, man. <laughs> the Rivingtons. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Uh, the Rivingtons were a 1960s doo-wop group known primarily for their 1962 hit novelty record, Papa Oom Mau Mau. The members were Al Frazier, Sonny Harris, Turner, Rocky Wilson Jr., and lead vocalist Carl White, who died this week on January 27th of acute acute <laughs> acute tonsillitis. How do you die of tonsillitis? I, don't know I am crute. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, that, I was, damn it, I was trying to come up with it. I am acute. It can't be pretty. Tonsillitis reaches a point where it kills you. I have never heard of that. Damn. Have you heard of the song? Papa Umau Mau? Yeah. I mean, I've heard the 
the Shanana Papa Umau Mau, but that's or no, not Shana. Was it Shana? No, yeah, the the animals, Elvira. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know that one. You're making Carl White cry in heaven. Well, he can't say anything. Okay, I know that. Yeah. That's fun. Old school beach rock. It was remade in the 60s, and that was the one that is played in all the Vietnam War. Hmm. Fun fact. Well, not the Vietnam War, but the song. <laughs> yes, not as fun a fact. <laughs> and finally, Larry Williams was an American R&B rock and roll singer, songwriter, producer, and pianist from New Orleans, Louisiana. Williams is best known for writing and recording some rock and roll classics from 1957 to 1959 for specialty records, including Boney Maroney, Short Fat Fanny, Slow Down, Dizzy Miss Lizzie, Bad Boy, and the acronym of the week, SSY. I'm pretty sure that sucks shit, right, Yanni? <laughs> <laughs> he was such a visionary. <laughs> he was liable uh, to be a crapolis. I have I have heard way too much Yanni to disagree with that statement. <laughs> Boney Maroney, short fat fanny, and suck shit Yanni. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was job. that was she said yeah. You were close. That's the consent song. That's what it should say in like print. Okay, so uh the Beatles and several other <laughs> British invasion groups recorded several of his songs. William's life mixed tremendous success with violence and drug addiction, including the time he pulled a gun on his best friend, Little Richard, over disputed debate, uh, disputed debt, good lord, an event that led Little Richard back to preaching and out of the music industry for a while. Williams died in his home in Los Angeles from a gunshot wound to the head on January 21st. He was 44 years old. The death was deemed suicide, and though there was much speculation otherwise, no suspects were arrested or charged. Huh. Huh. Boy, how badass you to be pulling the gun on Little Richard. <laughs> wow. Like, how scary do you have to be to make Little Richard quit music? <laughs> and become That's a murderer? What? Oh, we all know Courtney Love did it. No, no, there, there's no implication there that Little Richard murdered him. Really? Someone murdered s- him, likely. Yeah. But it was not Little Richard. It was a gunshot wound to the back of his head. That's the problem. <laughs> Maybe it was one of Little Richard's fans. He shot himself in the head four times. <laughs> All right, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was the long-awaited Star Trek movie debut, Star Trek The Motion Picture. And there was much rejoicing? I remember getting so excited about this, went to the movies to see this with my mom, and about 45 minutes in, I'm like, oh my god, what's going on? Yeah, like, what is happening? <laughs> Why are all the... Yeah, there's these 12-minute-long cuts of just space. <laughs> it's like, who's the bald chick? Yeah. What is happening? Where's wires? There's no. I want someone in a mask, damn it. I want a lizard man. That's what I came here for. Honestly, with a competent editor, that movie would not be too bad. It's just boring. That With a competent editor, that movie would be 45 minutes shorter. That's true. <laughs> also true. All right. Garrett Ratliff Henson, born January 25th, is an American actor best known for his role as Guy Germain in the Mighty Ducks trilogy. He also had roles in 1990s Captain America and The Return to the Blue Lagoon. Which reminds me, we have another show coming up because they're doing a Mighty Ducks TV show on uh, Hulu. Yep. Uh, and Emilio, um, is in strangely, it. strangely enough, it was available. <laughs> but what's not as strange is that the one fat kid is not. Isn't he dead? No, he got busted for meth and he looks like... Meth. 
Yeah, he looks like <laughs> meth. He's the living embodiment of meth. He literally is the poster boy for meth. I've never seen any Mighty Ducks anything. So. Really? Oh, yeah. I've seen all of them. Neither of those facts surprise me. <laughs> I have kids, you know. <laughs> right, moving on. And I have taste. <laughs> Rachel Emily Nichols, born January 28th, is an American actress and model. Her first major role was in the comedy Dumb and Dumberer when Harry met Lloyd. And she went on to achieve wider recognition in the final season of Alias and for her role in the Amityville Horror. Nichols obtained her first starring role in the thriller P2. Hmm. That's a good one. What is that? It's about a woman who is uh, leaving on Christmas Eve to go home. And Wes Bentley plays like this crazy stalker, murdery guy that works in the garage the parking garage at her office complex oh that's right because p2 is the level that her car is on oh yeah. okay yeah so it's yeah. not a sequel to p <laughs> right he basically traps her and and torments her how, and, how egotistical would that be to like name your first movie p1 like i'm assuming there's going to be a sequel right <laughs> you've been yeah. reading my diary uh, she found mainstream success with the science fiction action film star trek the reboot and gi joe the rise of cobra her other notable films include The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2, Conan the Barbarian, and Alex Cross. Nichols also starred in the television series Continuum, Criminal Minds, Chicago Fire, and The Man in the High Castle. Okay, first off, I'm going to say two things. First off, she played Scarlet in G.I. Joe. Yeah. Over. Oh, okay. Yes. And secondly, she. this is for anybody that might be listening, not for the three of you. This is not the Rachel Nichols that is on ESPN. That is a different Rachel Nichols. Why would you assume I would know who that was? That's why I said this fact is not for you three. Oh. I, I thought, w- w- was she Rochelle Nichols or is she Rachel Nichols on ESPN? Oh, no, no. Uh, no they're, bo- they're both Rachel Nichols. Oh, they're both Rachel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, see, I thought you were saying it's not for you because you guys already know this. No. Okay. No, it's not for you because you won't even be confused is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you're not going to be like, is she the same girl from ESPN? <laughs> I was thinking that, actually. Yeah. You don't know me. You don't know what I do on the weekend. Right. You do nothing but watch Len Biased biographies. <laughs> You've been reading my diary again. <laughs> all right. So TV. Top shows in the land were a very 1980s Dallas, The Dukes of Hazard, 60 Minutes, and MASH. We haven't done a Dukes of Hazard show. No, we've talked about it a lot, but we haven't done it yet. And there's a remake of Dallas that showed up and left also. Yeah, we're going to avoid that one probably. Mm. I, I was bringing up the possibility of a Dallas show like weekly for a while and just gave up. Mm. Well, didn't you say you watched one of the episodes and decided you were not, you didn't want to watch it? No, no. Everyone oh. just constantly shot me down. It was like, you're the prisoner, only I didn't actually care about doing the Dallas show. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, there's a remake. We could talk about it. Hey, guys. <laughs> so January 20th was the last broadcast of The Rockford Files, which I think is ripe for a reboot. Surprised they haven't, actually. That I was going to say, I'm shocked that they haven't. Brannigan, Ironsides. Wait, Ironsides. Would... Quincy, MD. Oh. oh, Quincy would, that really, that's actually a I, really good idea. Yeah, I would like that. I, I have a feeling Quincy. that would, yeah, the, the premise for that is is more than enough to, I mean, if NCIS can have... 17 seasons plus its spinoff has what like 11 seasons and five seasons oh yeah and uh, that's just about you know military people getting murdered there's plenty of room for quincy one of the things i never understood about quincy was in the opening credits is when at the end of it you've got jack klugman out there on the, on a beach with a beautiful woman and i'm like wait a second that's jack, <laughs> that's jack klugman uh, okay Maybe. i have news ah 
There was a Rockford Files remake, but it was ready to go and it was considered a disaster. The pilot was shot and the show was not picked up. It had uh, Dermot Mulroney. It was produced by Steve Carell and David Shore, and what? apparently it was huh? awful. What? That's confusing. I'm on the Quincy Wikipedia page, and there's no talk of a reboot. We got to get that rolling. I really think that would be very successful in this day and age. I think we should start the reboot Quincy hashtag on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? <laughs> well, I don't think my 12 followers is going to catch yeah, fire. But with your followers' followers, you'll have at least 53 people. And if those followers, if they're your followers, they might catch fire. <laughs> the fire will be involved. Yeah, and those followers, followers, and their followers, and their followers, followers, followers. And, and she told two friends. And she. All told right, two we're friends. moving on. And then they rebooted Rockford Files again instead with Dylan McDermott. <laughs> so, born January twenty fourth, Erin Jessica Calhill is an American actress best known for her roles as Jen Scotts in Power Rangers Time Force. Plus, roles on How I Met Your Mother and Saving Grace. She is also noted to be the first lead female character for the Call of Duty franchise as Chloe Karma Lynch, in addition to Rebecca Chambers in Resident Evil Vendetta. Hmm. Hmm. Good on her. Vilmer Valderrama was born in Miami, Florida on January 30th. Who is that? Fez from Fez. Oh, Fez. okay. And he's on NCIS now. He is? Yeah. Still playing He's Fez. still playing Fest, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, Isaiah likes watching that show, and, and he was watching it, and I first time I saw him, I'm like, oh, that's what happened to Fez when he grew up. <laughs> I would NCIS. love to see, I mean, to see him as Fez and NCIS, just like in the background, looking really concerned about everything going on, going on around him. There's, there's got to be, like, some deleted scene somewhere of him. Oh, I'm sure. Right. No, he plays right. a badass in that show. So January 24th was the day of birth for Greg Sipes, voice actor for shows such as The Kids Next Door, Teen Titans, Super Robot Monkey Team Hyperforce Go, Ben 10, Kick Budowski, Suburban Daredevil, Fishhooks, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Teen Titans Go. You'd, you'd know the voice. I think he's the one who does uh, Robin, isn't he? Looking at the cast or the shows, because I'm familiar with Fishhooks, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teen Titans Go, and I think you're right. Of course I am. Or is he Beast Boy? Maybe. I don't know. I don't care. Moving on. I'm James Francis Durante was an American singer, pianist, comedian, and actor. His distinctive clipped gravelly speech, Lower East Side Manhattan accent, comical language butchery, jazz-influenced songs, and prominent nose made him... Uh, one of America's most familiar and popular personalities of the 20s through the 70s. He died on January 29th. I always like Jimmy Durante. He's a likable guy in movies. Yeah, what's not to like? I mean, he's very, very funny, curmudgeonly, curmudgeonly old man humor and like very non-offensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just a, like, like a, like a, uh, a George yeah. Burns type. Greg Sipes played uh, Michelangelo in TMNT and Beast Boy in Teen Titans Go. And apparently he was on Deadwood? As Robin? Really? As Robin, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, he's in a shot here with uh, Ian McShane, and he's got like a broom and a page boy hat on. Weird. Oh, that's him? Oh. Wow. It's kind okay. of a hippie-looking dude, hmm. normally. Anyway, sorry. No, I always like Jimmy Duran in um, The Man Who Came to Dinner. It's an odd, odd star. He is. It's an odd, yeah, an odd guy to be a... But I mean, you know, considering the roles he played and stuff, it... Makes sense. He's basically like a character actor who got famous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right, and lastly in sports, sports. the Minnesota Stars ended the Philadelphia Flyers NHL record 35-game unbeaten streak on January 27th. Jesus, 35 games? Yeah. That's Holy crap. Especially for hockey to not have yeah. ties in there and everything. That's wow. impressive. Yeah. All right. Jacobus Petrus Dumini was a South African academic who became vice chancellor of the University of Cape Town. But as a young man, he was also a cricketer who played in three tests from 1927 to 1929. Dominey was a left-handed opening or middle order batsman and a slow left arm orthodox spin bowler. <laughs> Got that? Of That's course the whole reason you put that in there. Yeah, I think I followed <laughs> all that, actually. I kind of did, too. He's, I'm starting to get this stuff down. Anyway, he died in Cape Town on January 31st. And lastly, on January 26th, the Hartford Whalers lost 3-2 to two against the New York Islanders in the third of what is now only 10 total NHL games to be played without a single penalty called. What? How is that possible in NHL? I mean, especially, like, you know, no offsides even. Like, no, no fighting and no... Well, they high-sticked the ref in the first 30 seconds <laughs> before he could call a penalty. It's like having a WWE match without the ref getting knocked out. How does that happen? And after they knocked the ref out, they uh, had the monkey that lives in uh, the closet, Chris's closet on Family Guy, sit in the corner and just point and stare at him the whole game. The evil monkey? Yep. The evil monkey that lives in my closet. <laughs> I know that was terrible. All right. Well, on that sad note, why don't you play us off, Keyboard Joel? <laughs> <laughs> so sad. sad. I know. Sad trombone. So for the annual Billboard show, we threw back to January 27th, 1980, which is going to give us a weird kind of mix of that 80s and leftover 70s stuff this year. Yeah, it seems like it took a lot longer back then for new songs to break into the top 10. So yeah, there's going to be some holdover disco. I'm kind of excited about this one just because of the mix of music we get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is very eclectic for a top 10 that we have. So uh, number 10 on the list for this week is actually a Fleetwood Mac's Sarah. It's a song written by Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac, from their 1979 Tusk double LP. It peaked at number seven uh, on the U.S. charts for three weeks, 37 in the U.K. and 11 and 12 for Australia and Canada relatively. Here we have Sarah. And it picks up from there. Yeah. You know what? Sarah's a good song, but honestly, it, I just don't think it's of the caliber of previous Fleetwood Macs. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be a lot of these where it's like, I kind of remember this one, but it, it's like lost in the middle to bottom of other things I've heard the artists do. Mm-hmm. That was better. Yeah, for sure. I don't even know that I knew this song until I listened to it for the show, to be honest. I mean, I'm not a Fleetwood Mac lover. Or Stevie Nicks, so I mean, no, wait, wait, back it up. Are you would you say not a Fleetwood Mac lover? Do you dislike Fleetwood Mac, or are you just not into them? I just never, never got the the love of them. I don't dislike them. I don't hate them, but I just never understood the passionate love affair with them that some people have. Well, I can't wait to hear it on the next song. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say I, I want to disagree with you, but like I, I'm not such a huge Fleetwood Mac fan that it's worth the effort. Like I really like them, but it's not. Not like this next group. Right. Not something we're fighting about. So at number nine, the Eagles for the long run. 
this is written by Don Henley and Glenn Fry, and according to Don Henley, it was written in part to a response to articles that said that the Eagles are now passe as disco uh, and with uh, the current punk wave emerging, inspiring such lines as, who's going to make it? We'll find out in the long run. He also said the irony was part of the inspiration, as the song is about longevity and posterity, while the group was falling apart and imploding under the pressure of trying to deliver something better better follow-up to Hotel California, which you want some pressure. Try and do better than that album. I don't want that pressure. I'm not even a fan of that album. It's only one of the best albums ever made. Yeah. All right, before we argue, let's listen to the track. All right, so Joel, what's your wrong opinion about this song? <laughs> Here's the thing. I like Joe Walsh. This song reminds me more of a Joe Walsh tinged song, so I don't I don't hate the Eagles. I just don't care for them. I never again, like Fleetwood Mac, I never understood. I don't understand anything you just said. Yeah. I like Joe Walsh. I'm not a big fan of the Eagles. I don't own anything. I don't actively seek them out to listen to them ever. If they're on the radio in the background, I'm not going to be like turn that off. Dude, that's like saying I'm not a fan of the monkeys, but I totally love Peter Tork. I like Peter Tork. I was more of a Mickey Dolan's uh, guy, but hmm. yeah, I, this is going to fall into the like middle of the pack for the Eagles. I, I like this song. I'll listen to this song. I I probably wouldn't specifically put it on a musical collection. It's probably not in my top ten Eagle songs, but I like it. And yeah. this would be this would you know for any other band, this would be their big hit. Oh, yeah. But yeah, this is, I mean, this is not one of the Eagles' best songs. It's still a great song, but I mean, the Eagles have put out, you know, much better than this particular song. Even even their mediocre stuff is better than other other bands' great stuff. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, no, sure. it's no Take It Easy, you know, which is one of my favorite Eagles songs. They're a band that was put together to, I mean, kind of like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, to, to sound perfect together i mean there's a there's a lot of perfection in their music you know glenn fry was uh or was, was very much a perfectionist he, he was kind of the, the the leader of the group and therefore you know they, everything they put out was kind of perfect so a lot of people don't like them for that reason because they don't have a very that you know people complain they don't have a lot of soul or whatever in their music because i mean every note is just you know dead on perfect but i perfect i personally happen to like that i think so, sorry that perfection sounds too perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Don Henley was the leader. Well, I mean, the, the two of them together wrote everything, but Glenn Fry was the OCD perfectionist. We're going to nail this. You know, no one's leaving until we get this take right. That kind of stuff. Uh, see, and I think that's one of the reasons I you nailed on the head. I, you know, I, I like a little, you know, dissonance, or I like a little kind of uh, imperfection in my music. And because it is so kind of clean sounding and mm. there's not a lot of it. It just kind of comes off as, as bland sometimes maybe. So you want them to shit it up a little. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I don't understand the mentality of finding that to be bland. I mean, you find Mozart bland. 
There's nothing wrong with perfection. There's a reason. There's a reason it's called perfect. <laughs> one, one of the one of the things that makes me think of the Eagles. There was a post on Reddit not too long ago where somebody was asking about the difference between bands singing together from the 70s and 80s to bands singing together now. And one of the there was actually a sound designer that came on and made a commentary that they will do a song and have people sing the individual parts and then blend them together. Yeah. To make them sound. Yeah, because, I mean, back then, everybody used to record... In one room. In the studio together, yeah. And, and that was that was what he said, is that is that when you have a group of people that are hitting those perfect harmonies, not only are they harmonizing that way, but they're also, like, changing the air and the, the vibrations of the air together, and that's why it sounds so much uh, rounder or, or meatier. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, now they're trying to manufacture a sound, and and I want to say this is a 2010s or 2020 thing. This is something that probably has its roots in like the early to mid 90s, like with Boys to Men, where you get we're going to manufacture a specific sound to crank out hits. Mm -hmm. And I can appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I can I I get it, but I just I don't think you do. Not for me. That's all. (laughs) It's not for me. I mean, even my kids think there's something wrong with Joel. Well, but they know that for other reasons. Cause they no, I mean, like, no, no, I mean, this is like one of the bigger ones. For, for not liking the Beatles, or the Eagles? For not <laughs> I love the Beatles. Beatles. All right, so on to someone we can all agree on then? Yes. Oh, yes. 100%. Yeah, number eight on the, on the uh, chart this week is Crazy Little Thing Called Love by Queen. Freddie Mercury composed this song in five to ten minutes. In an interview in a magazine called Melody Maker, uh, crazy, he said, crazy little thing called love took me five or ten minutes. I did that on the guitar, which I can't play for nuts. And in <laughs> one way, it was quite a good thing because I was restricted, knowing only a few chords. It's a good discipline because I simply had to write within a small framework. I couldn't work through too many chords, and because of that restriction, I wrote a good song, I think. Well, it took him less time to write the video. <laughs> yeah. Freddie, you were right. You know, some I, that's when I find I work the best is when I have a, a limited, like restrictive palette of things that I can use to create something. I find that I, I tend to put out more interesting things because you are restricted. So I, I, I 100% agree with what he's saying there. And it is a good song. And he was always getting down on himself on stuff, too. So like like in multiple songs, they he didn't like. Uh, was it Bohemian Rhapsody? One of, I mean, one of the songs, one of the major songs, too, is like, yeah, I'm just not good enough to play the piano with this song. And, you know, I, I mean, our response now would be like, dude, you're Freddie Mercury. But and it doesn't have to be perfect. Then you're the Eagles. All right. Here we go. <laughs> heaven, heaven forbid something be good. I love that song. I don't want to meet the person that doesn't like this song. That's up there with, for me, if you put this and Mr. Blue Skies and Don't Stop Me Now together in like a morning mix, my day goes immediately better. Okay, I can see that. I heard somebody, after the movie came out, there was a lot of, you know, talk about their music and somebody saying that they thought that they swore this was a remake of another song. It's very Elvisy. Yeah, when you listen to it, you can hear where, you know, it might be like a, a yeah, like an Elvis or um 
Blue suede shoes. It's it's a queen it's a queen rockabilly song. How can how can that go wrong? Carl Perkins. That's mm-hmm. the other one that I was thinking of. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Carl Perkins. Yeah. yeah, I can see that that kind of twangy yeah rockabilly sort of thing going on. Thankful that we lived when they were you know beginning, middle, and end of their career because yeah, for sure. I will say though that once again, this is gonna go with a theme for me at least personally. This is middle of the pack. That's just because the pack is so huge in terms of amazing Queen songs. Oh yeah, it's one of my I would say probably top six. Oh, for me, it's not top ten. Yeah, I li- I enjoy this song quite a lot. Yeah, we all know your top your number one is I love my car. <laughs> I also don't want to meet the person whose favorite Queen song is I'm in love with my car. Brian May's mother. She's like, I love that song. I don't want to meet her. <laughs> it's a good song, Patrick. She could fuck right off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just said Brian May's mom. And it just has, she's got like this huge afro thing. Just like, <laughs> just like Brian. <laughs> just like her and Brian. Oh, I wrote a song for you, mom. Oh, this is about the car. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> I love my car. That's exactly right. what I wrote it, Mom. <laughs> She's all, it's a mean machine. <laughs> she needs more of a Cockney accent, though, I think. For some reason. I love that song. <laughs> Play it for me, Brian. Oh, now you made me <laughs> sad about Terry Jones. I, I was going to say, we sorry. drifted straight into Python. <laughs> That's where I learned my Cockney accent. Oh, all right. So number six on the list, we have Stevie Wonder, Send One Your Love. Wait, we missed no, number seven. Missed, Did we? No. no. Oh, totally missed Cliff Richard. Uh, <laughs> How could you possibly miss Cliff Richard? I don't know. <laughs> the sniper uh, rifle was off my... Oh, Cliff Richard, we don't talk anymore. My number one choice for the song that, huh, I didn't know I knew that song <laughs> for this list. Uh, we Don't Talk Anymore is recorded by Cliff and re- reached number one in the UK singles chart in August of 79 and remained there for four weeks. Uh, produced by the Shadows rhythm guitarist Bruce Welch and Alan Tarney, it was his tenth UK number one and his first since Congratulations, way back in 1968. It's a pretty illustrious career. Yeah, I mean, does it be on the charts that long? You know. All right, let's hear if there's anything to that. Okay, when that song first started, I thought that I'd just beaten Street Fighter or something. What? There was applause and it sounded, it sounded like a video game. So I was like, did I just win? I I don't understand that. Never mind. Hi, hi score. What does that mean? And with this one, I looked at Cliff Richard. We don't talk anymore. Yeah, I don't know that song. The second that first measure kicked in, I'm like, oh, that's that song. I know this song. I actually knew this song, but only because it had been remade. Who remade it? Uh, Charlie Pugh, I think. Oh. He stinks. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, Charlie Puth. Puth. Puth? <laughs> yeah, Charlie Puth and Selena Gomez. Charlie Puth, Selena Gomez, hanging out with Brian May's mom. Oh, wait, play that song. We don't talk anymore. <laughs> it's in all my car. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
At least I think it's a remake. You never know. I don't know. I've never heard this song until this. I listened to it earlier. And what? now, yeah, I don't, I'm not familiar. I know who Cliff Richard is because I've heard him referenced on different shows, like British comedy shows, but I'm huh. not familiar with this song. That's kind of crazy. Oh, no, that's just the name of the song. It's not a remake. I could have sworn I'd heard someone redo this, but no, there's just two, two different uh, songs, same title. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's not a bad song. I mean, it's a good. Eh. Bad. It's just very. It's, it's just ver- very poppy end of the seventies song. It's very there. Is what it yeah. Is. I mean, it's not one of those that I'm going to be driving and it comes on and I'll be like, oh god, change the channel. I'll be like, oh, hey, I remember the song. Haven't heard it in a while. Sing along to it. Get on with my life. Eh. You just sing along to it. I don't. Even, I I know the words to every song and I don't even know the words of the song. Well, I'll give you a hint. It goes. I'm so sorry we don't talk anymore. There we go. <laughs> I'm beginning to think you've got you know, all this stuff. You got fifty percent of the song right there. <laughs> and put in like a little synthesizer beat. There you go. We're done. Let's all go home for lunch. Get the mood going and all you're you're all set. And uh Steve You Wonder is number six with Send One Your Love. It's a seventy nine soul single by uh Stevie uh for his album. Stevie Wonder's Journey Through the Secret Life of Plants. He always had really good titles for his names for his album. That was a big record. Yeah. Uh, Released in 79 as the album's lead single, it reached number four on the U.S. Billboard Pop Singles in 1979. And apparently in the 80s, too. And here's that song. Oh, I like this song about Stevie Wonder. (laughs) So I think we're falling into that same trap with Queen and the Eagles. This is a great song, but in the in the world of Stevie Wonder, it's okay. For me, like, I don't hate this song, but it's near the bottom of his catalog. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, this is just a step above the stuff he was going to put out in a couple of years that was worse. This was his foray into 80s music. This was the canary that signaled the death of Stevie Wonder's good stuff. Ah, Canary in the Coal Mine, please. Yep. Good reference. Thank you. Uh, How dare you speak ill of I Just Called to Say I Love You. Oh, fuck that song. Ebony and Ivory? Oh, fuck that song. (laughs) Dude's got a hell of of pipes. Yeah, I love Stevie Wonder. He's one of my favorites. I mean, the best concert I've ever been to was his concert. The man can sing, but that song belongs at the end of a like like a romantic comedy of the day. I was gonna say a rom com. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of elevator music. Yep. Sitting at the dentist office. I was just about to say it's like it's like sitting in the dentist chair and waiting for the drill and you're Yeah, but you know what? You'd be in the elevator and you'd hear this and you go, you know, this is actually pretty good elevator music. Still elevator music, but it's pretty good elevator music, you know? Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just very not what he can do. Yeah, dude, could... you're not living to your potential, Stevie. It's it's like going to a going to a Chicago Bulls game in the in the late '80s, and Michael Jordan just keeps doing layups. 
you're like, okay, you know, that's cool, yeah, but you know, we know you <laughs> could do a lot more than that. We're winning, but <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I have. To, I mean, that seems to be a recurring, uh, a recurring theme this week. Yeah, this is a this is a weird top ten. It's full of a lot of talent and they're middling stuff. Yeah, and on that note, we have Smokey Robinson at number five with Cruisin', written by Smokey Robinson for Motown Records, Tamala label. It's one of his most successful singles outside of his work with the Miracles. It hit number one in the U.S. I don't know this. The Cash Box Top 100. Hmm. I don't know what that is. Yeah. It's uh, founded by uh, Cash Box Records. Brian, get the Cash Box. (laughs) I want to go drive in my car. Have I told you I love my car? Uh, It was also peaked at number four on the uh, Billboard Pop Hit chart. And it was top five on the Soul chart as well. I wanted to get to the chorus, but that's a long way to go. I like this song. I do. Legitimately, it works. It works almost better as a duet. And I know this is going to sound dumb. (gasps) I know what you're going to say. I was thinking the same thing before you even say it. The Huey Lewis and Gwyneth Paltrow (laughs) version from that movie about karaoke that I don't remember the name of it. Duets. Duets. Yep. It's better. Is a better version of the song because it's a duet. And, And as much as, you know. Gwyneth Paltrow gets a lot of hate. She's actually got a really nice voice, and it works well with uh, Huey Lewis. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's a better version of this song. I hate to say it, and it is. I agree with you on this. You know, seventy-five percent of it is the fact that I think Huey Lewis has amazing pipes and is a great singer, and a little bit less than the Gwyneth Paltrow thing. But no, this song really does well, and it was also done uh, by one of the Nows, Selena Gomez. I think also did this a cover of this song. Or was it, again, just a, another different song with the same title? No, no, yeah, no. who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Selena Gomez covered all of these songs, but they're not yep. the songs. <laughs> but just, just, she made songs with the same titles. Weird coincidence. Her Pina Colada song is really interesting. <laughs> it's credit to Smokey Robinson for writing a, you know, a song that's stood the test of time. But it's you know interesting that somebody else heard something there that maybe he didn't. Or that he, you know didn't want to because he wanted it to be his song i don't know but you know throw somebody else in there a, fe- a female voice but this is a, a yet another song in this top 10 that is far from the this artist's best work and it's just very middling see i don't know that i agree with this one just if we're taking it as Smokey robinson is a solo artist if, if you're including the miracles okay i'm with you Mm-hmm. I, I would put this when it comes to solo stuff, probably in my top five for him. Yeah, I, I like this song. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't care for it. I'm going to say I was wrong on that. Actually, it's been covered at least a dozen times, ranging from Gwyneth Paltrow and Huey Lewis to Biddy McLean and the Supersonics to Tony Gonzaga and Sam Milby. A bunch of people I've never Who heard was of. That first? Tony Gonzaga. No, the first. Biddy Gonzaga. Biddy McLean in the Supersonic. I only I only said that because I wanted to say Supersonic. <laughs> Biddy McLean. Right. 
but put this and uh, sitting on the dock at the bay and, you know, a couple of other similar songs. You got a good kind of early morning sound. Yeah. Sitting out drinking your coffee on the deck. Sun's coming yeah. up. I mean, this, this is, this is chill music. This is put it in the background. I, in the weekends at, at home, I will put on the R and B station off of one of whatever streaming station I have. Just leave it on in the background all day because it's one of those where you just kind of keep that chill going on. And while Smokey Robinson's has a ton of music that's better than this, this is still, a, again, like I, going back to rehash it again, but for a musical genius, even their mediocre stuff is more amazing than the best stuff of somebody else. It's funny you talk about that. I actually have a Pandora station. It's Sam Cooker Radio that uh, mm. has that kind of feel. It's one of my most played yeah, yeah. Just looking at my uh, Pandora stations, my most played ones are Sam Cooke Radio, Blues Radio, and Eagles Radio. Actually, mm. <laughs> there you yeah, go. but like a Sam Cooke, a Sam Cooke station, or Smokey Robinson, the Miracle Station, or a Motown station. I was just about to say, I love the Motown on Pandora. Yeah. You toss it on there and like making breakfast in the morning on a Saturday and just having that music going in the background, and it just puts a great groove to your whole day. It's it's feel good. It's it's got soul, you know. You, yeah, that's exactly it. It's just a, one of those uplifting styles of music, and I don't think he's missing that in this. It's just we know Smokey Robinson's catalog of music starts off in the middle with this one and just goes up. But moving on to number four, song that keeps coming back, Rupert Holmes' "Escape," also known as the Pina Colada song, or a love story for terrible people. Right. <laughs> it's uh the pina colada song is written recorded by uh, rupert holmes for his album partners in crime it was a lead single for the album and was recommended by billboard by for radio broadcasters on september 29th 1979 and then added to u.s radio playlist in october november the song peaked at the end of december to become the final u.s number one hit song in the 90- 1970s huh yeah, I thought that was some cool little trivia. That was the it was the last number one hit of the seventies decade. So on that we have the Pina Colada song. Yeah, so guy laying in bed next to his girlfriend and decides that he's going to post a personal ad. <laughs> to respond to a personal ad. Yeah, because he's bored of her. Yeah. 70s were a weird time. <laughs> but of course now uh, a lot of us think of no, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. I, I don't know. I really like this song before that. It's weird. Like I like the song, but as soon as I thought about it, it's like, eh, it's kind of like Jesse's Girl in that way. You think about it too much and it skeeves you out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one and uh, um, it's just a fun, goofy ass song. It it really is. I mean, at the base of it, it really is a stupid song, but it's catchy. It's got a hook, and we've talked about it before. How the ending of the song—that's not how that situation plays out. Yeah. No. Oh, you were gonna cheat. I was gonna cheat too. Oh, hey. well, let's is stay together instead. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's just it. It's like. Uh, 
they stayed. Ugh, God, I, this song. I mean, I the song itself is. You know, you're like, oh yeah, I'm not like Pinyak. Then you listen to it and you're like, fuck this guy. He's a big old douche. You know, it's just. I think you may have a hit on your hands. Keep rolling with that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, get your guitar. The young man wants to sing a song. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I. So stupid. <laughs> I just. The lyrics just kind of actually kind of ruin it. I don't know. If it yeah. was like a Jimmy a Jimmy Buffett kind of thing, and trust me, I hate Jimmy Buffett, but at least if it had that context and it was actually about pina coladas and getting caught in the rain and it was a love song without all the infidelity garbage, it would be a you know a better yeah. song. I don't know. And then moving on to songs with a story, <laughs> number three on the charts this week, we've got Kenny Rogers, "The Coward of the County." Uh, written by Roger Bowling and Billy Ed Wheeler, recorded for Kenny Rogers. The song was released in 79 as a second single off of his multi-platinum Kenny album. It became a major crossover hit, topping Billboard Country Chart and reaching number three on the Hot 100. It also topped Cashbot single charts and was a top ten hit in numerous other countries worldwide, topping in Canada, the UK, and Ireland where it stayed at number one for six weeks, which brings up questions. But then we've got Kenny Rogers, Coward of the County. Promise me, son, not to do the things I've done. Walk away from trouble if you can. It won't mean you're weak if you turn me on the cheek. I hope you're old enough to understand. Son, you don't have to fight to be a man. I kind of miss songs like this. What a strange time that this is. I mean, I, I know this kind of thing made it into the top 10, but what a strange time. Because it's really, I mean, this is a, this is a true country song. Mm-hmm. This happens to be my second favorite Kenny Rogers song. Really? Oh, yeah. What's, Has what's been number for a long one? Time. Oh, the gambler. gambler. Oh, yeah, not yeah. even not even close. But this is be. this is number two. I have to say, I love Kenny Rogers' voice. That gravelly country voice of his is fantastic. Not so much about what he did to his head recently. He looks like he's swollen. But Kenny <laughs> Rogers is always, always You're not fact, wrong. I'm not wrong. But also like he's just like just like seems like a super friendly guy. You know, and I love listening to him sing. This one, I like the fact that it's a story. I kind of, like I said at the beginning, I kind of miss songs that tell a story through them. You know, it's not a thing that we have anymore. Like Pina Colada song, that tells a story. Yeah, that tells a story. Two horrible, horrible people. I mean, I think you guys know that I I like cheesy, schmaltzy stuff, but this one is almost, this is right on the border of being, this is almost too cheesy. Too cheese. Yeah. I like it, but I don't love it. Better or worse sounds in the stream? Uh, better. Yeah, I, I love this song, although it is kind of awkward to say that when it's a story song where part of the story is a violent gang rape. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, it bears re- pointing out. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's just, but, I mean, there's so many parts of the song that are just so cheap, like, and there was three of them. You know, like, <laughs> the way he, like, stops the singing just to be all serious a couple times, you know. When Tommy stopped and locked the door. Like, it's just like I don't like this part of the song. It's just really it, there's a lot of schmaltz in this song. 
<laughs> Apparently. How the hell did Brian May's mom become a character? <laughs> <laughs> I really hope Brian May doesn't listen to this show. I hope be he like, does. You, you assholes, why are you picking on my mom? <laughs> I hope he does. My mom was a saint. He sends us a guitar, and, and like Josh says, you know, let's let's not gloss over the fact that there is there is gang rape in the middle of this song. Yes, <laughs> that's that. I, was, I remember when I was flying, I was listening to this, and it was one of those, you know, like I'll put on the headphones, start listening, close my eyes, just listen to music. I'm just like, ah, oh, goddamn, that got dark quick. I mean, I yeah. was expecting, you know, to like maybe go after some rustlers or something, but uh, it's a theme song that I spit on your grave. I remember this song from when I was a kid. I did not remember that part. Like that part obviously went over my head the first 20 times I heard the song. So yeah, I didn't realize yeah. until you guys just told me. I knew as a kid what it was implying, but it didn't really, it wasn't one of those things that I kind of like clicked on just, just how dark it was until I became an adult. And I'm like, yeah, that's really fucked up. Yeah. Let's go get some roasters. all right so keeping with the theme of mediocrity from talent we have captain and tenille this is number two by the way number two by the way do that to me one more time it is their 13th charting hit in the u.s and their second number one on the billboard hot 100 it was in the uh, studio album make your move and written by tony tenille it features a wicked Lyricon solo by saxophonist Tom Scott, though the captain mimed to this part on a discount recorder in the video. <clears throat> Wanted to say discount recorder. <clears throat> I don't know what that is. I don't know either, but all I I just have this picture of like the, the, the captain like playing that electric keyboard through the thing and then just like reaching into his check and pulling out this recorder and start <laughs> doing a solo. I thought it was panpipes at first. Oh Ron Burgundy style. Mm-hmm. Flames coming out of it. <laughs> Melts the recorder. <laughs> Do that to me one more time. Once it's never in love with a man like you. Okay, I had to stop that before I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, do it to me. I really wanted to hear the lyric, the lyric on solo. Yeah, that was not happening. I'm not far off. I mean, let's no. be I, you know what? I, I like Captain Tennille, and every time I hear one of those songs, it just makes me sad. <laughs> so you know the, the true, true story. I know the true story behind Captain and Tennille, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, Captain was a dick. Oh, Tennille was not that great either. <laughs> yeah, they're awful people. Oh, wait a second. They were in the mark. They were in the, the Pina Colada song. <laughs> do, 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 if you're do. Captain and Tennille. <laughs> Monty, are you singing that song again? <laughs> so, but no, I agree with Josh. Yes, this is again not their best work. Not, not their best work. God help me if that song ever comes on 
if it comes on while I'm driving, everyone's going to die because I'm going to fall right asleep. I'm just going to turn it. I have no interest in the Captain or Tennille. There are songs of theirs that I look forward to. This is not remotely one of them. Oh, that, Love Will Keep Us Together right there. For sure. That This is a dentist office song. Yes. 100%. This is one of those songs that like in an action movie where the heroes are going up in the elevator and they have it playing and just yes. like Muzak version in the background. It's either this or Girl from Ipanema. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't understand why this top ten has that recurring theme of you guys could do better. Because oh. this is going into the eighties where established artists didn't know how to live it live in the popular musical culture. Because it's gonna mirror the now. And and <laughs> I firmly disagree with that. We'll, yeah, I don't we'll, even we'll get I, to, I don't even know what you're trying to say there. There's uh, a different trend for the now, which we'll talk about in the second half of the show. It's yeah. gonna be yummy. There's a lot of talent in this top ten. I don't see how that correlates to the now. <laughs> we'll get to that. It's all right, so number one of this week in 1980 is Michael Jackson's Rock With You, written by Rod Temperton and produced by Quincy Jones. It was offered first to be sung to, by Karen Carpenter. And thankfully, she uh, was working on her album and she turned it down. Released November 3rd, it uh, was the second single from his fifth album, Off the Wall, and would become the third number one hit of the 1980s, which would then become dominated by Michael Jackson. as good as this song is it still has the problem like the others do it may not even crack his top 10 songs for an artist like michael though that's kind of difficult for me because i almost have to compartmentalize his career into the various eras Mm -hmm. and in the early 80s this is going to be top five for me it's really difficult for me to put this and thriller and later stuff bad all in the same or Rocket Robin, even like something. Like that. Sure. You almost have to, if you're going to talk about compartmentalization, you almost have to do it by album. Yeah, for sure. There's mm-hmm. such a body of work there that if you do it even by decade, you're still going to be like, holy crap, no, this is no. Yeah, you're going to yeah. have some amazing songs that can't even make the top 10. Yeah. Well, that yeah, that's exactly what I just said about the 80s. I mean, you take Michael Jackson's 80s stuff, you almost have to cut it in, in half. Pre-thriller and post-thriller. I mean, then you get before that, you've got Jackson 5 and when he went solo. I mean, it's there's so much talent in this. Honestly, for myself, I love this song. This is in my top 10 favorite Jackson song, Michael Jackson. It's just fun. I like this period. Like, if someone's going to ask me what my favorite is, yeah, I'm going to drift later to thriller or bad. And I continue to follow his career and celebrate it all the way up through Dangerous and his story. This reminds me of the roller skating rink. I could see that. Just saying. Yeah. Couple skate. Yeah, I, I am a fan of this song. I, I was dancing in my seat when it was playing. Oh, yeah. Same. 
It's a great song. I was listening in headphones for the first time, and I was like, holy crap, there's horns in this song. I never noticed that before. <laughs> and I've heard it, you know, however what? many times. Quincy Jones loved loved the yeah. horn section. So. He, he, uh, he liked his breath. And then that's another thing. It's like, all right, hey, we're going to have a Quincy Jones is going to put together a song and have Michael Jack. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, that'll be all right. That'll be all right. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, hey, why don't we have David Bowie and uh, Freddie Mercury sing a song together and see how that goes? Well, I don't want to talk about how that. How about David Bowie and Bing Crosby? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that either. <laughs> uh, What's wrong with Under Pressure there? I just think it should have been so much better. I, you, you you got the greatness like that, and I don't. I think the final product should have been a Mick lot. Jagger better. and David Bowie. Oh, oh stop! Oh. At least David Bowie. David Bowie should not collaborate with people. At, ah, at least thinking. Joel is tanking for your opinions. <laughs> Move my ire straight to him by reminding me of Dancing in the Streets. <laughs> it's not a great song. <laughs> Brian wrote better songs than that, didn't you, Brian? So that was our number one. Yeah, number one. That was the week we were talking about. So we're going to take a break right now and come back and we're going to discuss the now. <laughs> Buckle up. Yeah. yeah. I, I would go have a drink or two before you jump into the second half of the show because I am. We'll be back in a little bit with more air quotes music. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say music. <laughs> It is the week, today is today, January 30th. That is the week that we are pulling the top 10 from. Incorrect. The 27th. 27th, yes. It's changed a little bit by now, but we pulled it yeah. from like a little little bit ago. Yeah, like three days ago. Yeah. yeah. The top 10 of the of the land. And, yeah. Uh, Normally when we do these, I think the default thing people would expect is for us to like uh, sigh wistfully about how awesome the old music is and then shit all over the new music. And normally we don't do that because we find we check in with what's popular and we all find something we like that surprised us or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there's this here, which has stuff has stuff it's good to have that precursor though because we do legitimately yeah find songs every year we're like wow that was better than we thought I, or that we still listen to mm-hmm. and for some of us there's a couple but yeah let's let's temper our expectations this year yeah right and and uh we're gonna jump into the shallow end of the pool from the high board and dive in with number 10 justin bieber's yummy january 3rd twenty. 20- with a video through Def Jam Recordings, which is now technically part of Hasbro, the lead single from his upcoming fifth studio album, Changes. This first solo single to be released in three years, and he notably joined the service TikTok on the day of this song's release. He's still relevant? I'm amazed this, this, this song has a Wikipedia page, and I'm amazed by that. Yeah, you got that yummy, yum, that yummy, yum, that yummy, yummy. Yeah, you got that yummy, yum, that yummy, yum, that yummy, yummy. 
Thank you. You never think this might be the worst goddamn song we've heard in all of the years we've done this episode. Leave it to Justin Bieber to make the Archies sound like Simon and Garfunkel. This is the only song I liked on it. Oh, I'm kidding. This is Jeez. terrible. Yeah, I have I have zero idea how this is in the top ten. And we have liked Justin Bieber songs. Yeah, in, in the top ten before. But love yourself. We've we we all agreed on that. We like love yourself on this. I don't. I don't understand. I ha- I have a theory Ooh. that that he um he basically after that last album and everybody talking about oh you're growing up your music is blah 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 and you know you're getting you know, you know you this and that and it kind of went to his head you know over the last couple of years he's been. There are rumors going around that he's back on drugs, and now he's, you know, releasing this crap again. So, well, I, I think in Mike's little blurb about this song, talking, I think there's a key thing with a lot of these particular tracks, and that's TikTok. Mm-hmm. I see some value in TikTok, but I also understand how a song that repeats the word "yummy" over and over again could be done with a short video of various foods. And because it's on a TikTok, 18-second loop or whatever, the song becomes popular. And that's going to warp some of these songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. this is a, this is definitely a song that was made to be used on TikTok, for sure. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of those. I can picture it now, actually. <laughs> it's more, I'll tell you, more than twice the phrase TikTok shows up in trivia, these things. Right. So I, these songs make a little bit more sense if you understand that a lot of people are going back and listening to it because they're familiar with an 18 second or even a five second or 10 second loop of these songs in a completely different context. And they decided they wanted to go back and listen to the whole song. For instance, I was listening to some of these with my oldest niece that was here and she's 30. And, you know, she was shocked to find out that that was Justin Bieber because she, she's like, I know that song. I've heard it. I kind of like it. She's like, and now I like it less knowing that it's him. But which came first? Yeah, she she liked the song before she found out today that it's Justin Bieber. No, I mean, did they write it to be a viral TikTok-y thing? Or? Uh, I'm almost certain they, they did. Once once Josh read that out, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Because my youngest niece, the 11-year-old, she is big into TikTok. And for that reason, I constantly hear the same song, the same 10, 15 seconds of the same song. 30, 40 times in a row as she's trying to like perfect the dance that goes along with it or whatever. So I could definitely see it makes this song does make a lot more sense when seen through the TikTok lens. And even some stuff I like on TikTok, there might be a cut from an anime with a particular music and you'll have a whole bunch of different cosplay models doing the same thing, their take on the TikTok fad. And I'll admit, even as a guy in his 40s, some of those things, I see the value in those visual video memes and have watched some of them. It's just this song and what it's done to the top 10. It's not my thing. And it's just not a really a very good song either. I, I think it's shit. I do I not. I don't think that that's almost not even an opinion. It's just... No, I mean, it's, I'm not. I'm not saying it is an opinion. I it's, it's what it is. I, this is the one song on this uh, this Billboard show that I have never that I didn't get through. I've never done that with. And we've listened to some other stuff that's not great, but this is the first song where I got a third of the way through it. I'm like, yeah, that's enough of that. I, know, I I watched the whole video. I yeah, I'm not like waiting it. for the hook on this. One. I watched it twice. Oh, ow. That I right. couldn't do. Yeah. So moving on to uh, number nine, Arizona Zervis, song Roxanne, 
released October 10th, 2019, written by uh, Arizona Zervis with Lauren LaRue and produced by, I'm going to say Jay Green and I don't know how to say that. 94 skirt. 94 skirt. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I like how Mike said it. Uh, it reached number one in New Zealand, peaked within the top 10 in Australia, Norway, the UK, and US, reached top 40 in many other European and North American markets, including number four on the Billboard Hot 100. It's the success of the song sparked a bidding war among labels that on November 15th was reported that Zervis had signed with Columbia Records. Huh. A bidding war. Mm, yeah. Let's hear what the uh, fuss was about. it's funny because my dad he ever since i was a little kid he and, and with other little kids too he goes that's his thing so <laughs> is that him in the back <laughs> so as i heard your that dad, i'm like your dad's a trap rapper i was like my dad's a trap rapper <laughs> i was about halfway through the wait a second this isn't a police cover <laughs> uh, that's I was- the- I was talking to my mom about I was talking to my mom about this song and I pulled up the lyrics and I just read them to her (laughs) like like all like white guy style and uh, and when I got to that that part in the beginning I'm like (laughs) (laughs) she's like is the phone ringing Patrick (laughs) is that Joe's dad this song is about a woman who just sounds awful like why are you singing a song praising this this woman daughter of the couple from the Pina Colada song. Yes, this woman, and I cannot wait for like five, ten years from now when she, you know, runs for president. Well, and you talk about she won't come back unless I pay her. Yeah, she, I'm just is saying, she a pro? She, she la- yes, she's a prostitute. Talks about like he, he pays her for blowjobs. She won't. She laughs at you if you don't drive a foreign car. She spends her daddy's money. You know, it's, I mean, everything in this song is all like you know, like this woman sounds awful. Why are you singing a song about her? I mean, the only thing I can say about it that is, I guess, maybe, maybe it's, it's a, a cautionary tale. I don't know. <laughs> it, there, there's a, is a bit of a hook to it. Yeah, it's it's kind of catchy. Like I, I don't like it, but I don't hate it. Oh, I hated it. I was down with it until they started singing. Until the words started coming out. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of songs in this style, and it's a fairly forgettable example. I, it's fine, but not my thing. I don't don't much care for it, but don't hate it. It's no broccoli. That's true. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. No. Don't 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 what? send him. Don't send him down that path again. Don't yeah, send him on the broccoli hole. And it is definitely <laughs> not the same style as broccoli. I'd rather listen to Fetty Wap. But oof. That's oh, not me. Remember that one. I still have that on my phone. All right. So moving on. Number eight this week. Tones and I. The song Dance Monkey. Released on May of 2019, the second single from Tones and I debut EP, The Kids Are Coming, produced and mixed by Konstantin Kerstig, which means something to some people. 
Upon release, Tones and I said the song is about the expectations that are placed on musical performers. Say what you want. She's got an interesting voice, and it's different than everything else you're hearing on this. She reminds me of Bjork. Mm, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, and it's not auto-tuned. Like, uh, this song has been performed live, and a lot of people were surprised that this is not a computer-altered voice. No, and you can tell that there's no... I mean, you can hear it. I I actually really enjoyed this song. This was the song that I had to go back and listen to a second time because I didn't like it the first time, but I thought I might on the second. And yes, this is the one where I went back and listened to it a second time. And on the second try, I liked it. Yeah. So Pat, shit all over it. Go ahead, Pat. You're muted. (laughs) (laughs) She's somewhere between like Yolandi from The Antwoord and uh, Bjork. No, I was coughing is what was happening because you no. made me laugh and <laughs> shit all over it. So Yeah, I'm definitely prepared to shit on this. I did not care for this. Maybe, maybe I would have liked it more if I knew who the hell she was. But going into a video where you're in disguise and clowning around in disguise and everything doesn't mean much when I don't even know what the hell you look like or who you are or anything. So, I mean, this is not the right song maybe to start listening to her catalog or anything, but I I didn't care for her unique voice either. I thought it was just kind of annoying. And I just I don't know. I mean, the the beat was okay and the and the the chorus was less annoying than the verses. I like the beat and you can dance. I thought that her voice would be what would turn you off on this one, and I think Joel is right. She's very similar to uh Yolande from Deantward, and I I like Deantward, so I think that's a, one of the reasons I came along, uh, came around so fast on this one. Yeah, see, and I just don't care for her voice. I dug it. Well, and you guys know how I feel about vocal stylings. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's not something I would actively seek out. I can hear it playing like in a hip, you know, clothing store in the mall or something. But she would never make the Eagles. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I might actually put this one on a playlist. Now, this this one might be one that I I would listen to past this show. I could see it. I probably will too. Mm. Out of the list of things we've got here, this one definitely jumped out at me as being something different, and therefore wasn't. It was interesting. But see, we're falling into that trap of different equals good, and I just I don't I don't agree with that. I've never agreed with that. But it's not just because it's different. It's I, I like the way she, I mean, she's got an accent, which adds to kind of the charm of her singing. And then she's doing something vocally that is different and the music goes along with it. And it, it, it works, you know, it works for me. Yeah. It works for me too. In that there is a, it's a very catchy, earwormy, dancey song. But if you're listening to the lyrics, it's like, this is not necessarily a good thing. These people mm-hmm. are making me do this dance over and over and over again. And you can tell she's singing about all these guys that see her as an object, put a quarter in and make her dance. I'm going to make you do it all again once you're done. And another thing about this song, it's not as repetitive lyrically as 
a lot of the stuff that we have in here. We don't get five minutes of yummy, yummy, yummy in the very beginning of this song. There's actually lyrics to this that are saying things. It's like you said, Josh, it, there is a, a meaning behind the words versus just putting words over music. Being dancey and kind of sad at the same time is kind of interesting to me. Well, and just look her up. She's not what you would expect to see as, as far as a an image of somebody that's on this top 10. She doesn't fit the mold of the the singer that, you know, would be on the on the top 10, the pretty wayfish girl. Cuz image is part of it with with Billboard. It's not always just the music. Sometimes it's the personality and the person that's singing it that gets people interested. Yeah. And visually, she's, you know, she's more like, I'm trying to think of an example. Kenny Rogers. <laughs> yes. She's more like Especially Ruth in this May. video. <laughs> she's more like Ruth May. No, she's not. Well, actually, she's right. passed away. But anyway, let's move on. Moving on to number seven, Dan and Shay with everyone's favorite, Justin Bieber with 10,000 Hours. Uh, deba- debuted at number four on the Billboard Hot 100 for the first full week of tracking. It received 33.3 million streams. It became the highest charting non-holiday country song in the history of streaming chart at number three. And also sold 53,000 downloads in the first week. And it was a number one song in the Hot Country Songs chart. It sold a further, further 17,000 copies in week two and was certified gold by the RIAA on December 10th. And since then, it has sold 194,000 copies as of January 2020. Fuck the RIAA. And here we have the country version of the Pretenders, 5,000 Miles. <laughs> Proclaimers. Proclaimers, sorry. And how interesting is it that we have another country song that is completely the opposite of the one we had? Not one gang rape at all. No. <laughs> Jeez. But how many or, mix... Or one, one influence of blues, yeah. It... How, how many mixes is this going to go on for high school kids? I don't know. I th- this is uh, a one that fits for me into the uh, inoffensive, but completely forgettable. Like I, I knew when I heard this, it was just like, I am going to forget everything about this song as soon as it's done playing. Yep. Mm, it's very vanilla. Yep. It's made to be the song on all the mixtapes. That's all it really is. It's overproduced crap. That's just made to make everybody feel like they're in love for the summer. It's going to be on the next uh, Nicholas Sparks movie, you know? It totally will. I mean, part of the part of the thing that I looked at this also was Justin Bieber doing this, which is honestly, if you look at it musically, you look at it like melody wise, it's good. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, it's not. I mean, I'm good with a lowercase g. Yeah, it's not. It's not like a bad song by any stretch. No, it's just very vanilla. It's very by the numbers, by by the prescription type of thing. But look what happens when you let Justin Bieber do his own thing. Then you get yummy, yummy. So he needs he needs like a like a handler for this sort of thing. Is my guess is that you have to have somebody who goes, no, Justin, stop that. This is a mayonnaise sandwich on white bread. Yummy, yummy. 
Not even the peanut butter. I mean, if I had to choose between this or Yummy, I would listen to this for 10,000 hours yep. rather than listening to oh, Yummy yeah. twice. For sure. No arguments here. Yep. So uh, number six, Louis Capaldi, Someone You Love. Commercial success peaked at number one on the UK singles, became his first number one, and spent seven consecutive weeks top the chart. Also peaked at number one on the Irish single charts in March 2019. And in the US, it was a sleeper hit. Topped the Billboard Hot 100 in 24 weeks on the chart. It was nominated for Song of the Year at the most recent 62nd Grammy Awards. But it's never the same. I guess I kind of like the way you know the pain. Now the day bleeds into nightfall. And you're not here to get me through it all. I let my gun down. And then you pull the rug. I was getting kind of used to being someone you love. I'm going under. Now... This song, I first came across because I saw that Peter Capaldi was in the video. Peter Capaldi is Lewis's second cousin once removed, so they are family, a little, little bit distantly. Oh man, I had a whole bunch of Doctor Who jokes all lined up for this one, and now you just ruined it. <laughs> but I actually, I actually like the song. It, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of kind of, kind of like almost an Edwin McCain-ish type song, but I, I actually liked it. And when I saw the video, that's, I mean, that's the whole reason I watched it because he was in the video, but. I ended up kind of thinking, you know, this is this is a pretty good song. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm with Joel on this one. This for me was uh, I like this song. It reminded me a little bit of like a little more soulful, like a James Blunt type mm-hmm. artist. I, this isn't going to be one I think that I'm necessarily going to carry forward. Like I don't know, this one would make a playlist, but like if it comes on, I would listen again and enjoy it. Coming in at number three, I I enjoyed this one also. It's I, I think he's pushing it a little bit occasionally with this with the voice, really trying to get like force the soul voice out in some of the choruses. But it's a good song. It's very ballady. Not enough ballads uh, of this style. And it kind of reminded me of the old school 80s ballads, like the old, you know, almost a little bit less metal power ballad type of thing with the voice. I mostly agree with you, Mike, on, on on a lot of it. You know, like especially there were a couple of moments where it felt like he was trying a little too hard. But uh, I, this is the song. Like I said, I told you I like one and a half songs in the top ten, and this is the half song. I kind of I kind of like it. I kind of you know I don't hate it definitely. You know, but do any of you guys watch The Masked Singer by chance? We've talked about this before. No, I know you guys yes. have all talked about it a lot, but I've yeah, never I want to get into it, but too much TV and too many video games. <laughs> I, yeah. I am 100% into The Masked Singer. Uh, the Rottweiler, Chris Daughtry last season did a version of this song that I, it was the first time I'd ever heard it. I'd never heard, you know, this is the first time I've ever heard Capaldi's version. And I think Chris Daughtry's version was better, actually. I really I, I really enjoyed it when, when he did it. And I enjoyed it less so hearing Capaldi's original version, actually. Hmm. Good to know. I haven't gotten to the, uh, that episode yet, but... Uh, Spoiler. Good to know who the, uh, who, the, who the Rottweiler is now. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. The season, season ended like six months ago. So. I know, I know. I'm going to forget before I get home anyway. So. <laughs> He's like, I will oh. never forget. <laughs> now I'm not going to watch a show, damn it. They just lost a viewer. Aw. Watch it anyway. All right, so moving on, number five, Lena Gomez is back in the charts with the song Lose You to Love Me. 
a self-love anthem about discovering someone's true self through the difficult process of losing a lover. Uh, Slate magazine said only with piano and Gomez's voice that grows ever more stirring with plucked strings, a choir of backing vocals, and more than halfway through a subtle heartbeat thump that's the closest thing to a beat in the whole song. Okay, and well, people we know, think we know where Mike stands on this song. <laughs> yeah, God, no, this is not me writing this shit. Most people think it's her singing about Justin Bieber. <laughs> God, why can't he just leave us alone? He's like the clap. He always shows back up. And you adored it, surfaced in my forest. And you let it burn, sing off key in my chorus. Cause it wasn't yours. I saw the signs and I ignored it. Rose colored glasses are distorted, set fire to my purpose. And I let it burn. You got off in the hurting. When it wasn't yours Yeah We'd always go into it blindly I needed to lose you to find me This dancer was kidding So, Selena Gomez. I'm a little disappointed because frequently Selena Gomez will show up in these top tens and I will be pleasantly surprised. And unfortunately, this is what I imagine I would have expected out of her if I hadn't been pleasantly surprised a few times. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's she's got she's got a nice voice. Oh, Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, I, I like the I like the lyrics on this song, and her voice is nice. And yeah, it's it's just a little bland. It's just a little eh. Like I, I'm, and I I wish that on a second listen, this one had turned around for me. But uh, it just falls again into in a, inoffensive, but completely forgettable. I mean, I love a good sappy love song, but there's kind of a tipping point, and this kind of almost pushes over that tipping point. This this is. Bad seventh grade breakup poetry put to me. I don't. I don't know if I'd go that far with it because, like I said, I liked the lyrics. I didn't. They were yeah. a little bit, uh, a little bit sacker, not sacred, but yeah, a little bit emo. And I like Selena Gomez a lot, but just the, like this is one of those things where just all of it together, it just it's very meh. And you know, like I said, I like one and a half songs in this list, and this is another song that I like. I kind of half like. So, so spoiler: there's three songs I half like. <laughs> oh yikes! Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know that's that's your spoiler. It wasn't actually. I liked one song fully. No, it's three half likes. Oh, wow. huh. Yeah, interesting. Because I've got at least one full like coming up. Not immediately necessarily, but in our future here. Okay, <laughs> we're getting close. We only got four songs left. So yeah, and uh, number four. In number four is Maroon Five uh, with the song Memories. Our annual Maroon Five. Yeah, Maroon Five can suck a dick. These guys, I'd like to go back and look at our our lists and see how many of these people keep coming back every year. I think the only people we're missing so far is Bruno Mars. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. Ed Sheeran, dude, come on. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he's absent for uh, two two years now, which is why I I didn't resurrect the zombie corpse of a giant ginger infant joke. Yeah. (laughs) I miss the ginger infant. Um, So... This song, Adam Levine explains, is for anyone who has ever experienced loss. So for everyone. In other words, the song is for <laughs> yeah. all of us, Adam. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
We get According it. To the, you, you finally included the men right. in your song. Stop shitting on him and let me finish explaining the goddamn song. <laughs> no! Put your shit dick back in your pants <laughs> and let me talk, damn it. I've seen that porn. All right, so James Valentine's song says it's a different kind of song for us. It's an important song. You know, we experienced some loss in the last couple of years. Lost our manager, Jordan Feldstein. We had heard the skeleton of this song and thought it matched where we were at. Kind of a song to his their man, ex-manager. Because he died. But it's Maroon 5 doing what Maroon 5 does. Here's to the ones that we got. Cheers to the wish you were here, but you're not. Because the drinks bring back all the memories of everything we've been through. Toast to the ones that it ain't. Toast to the ones that we lost on the way. Because the drinks bring back all the memories. And the memories bring back memories. Bring back your There's a time that I remember When I did not know no pain When I believed in forever And everything would stay the same Now my heart feels like December All right, so Maroon 5 popping this song in just in time for the high school 2020 graduation ceremonies. Ah, good call. This thing is going to get played all the freaking time. You tell me that there is oh, not all kinds be... of uh, all kinds of video collages. Oh, or uh, proms. This song is going to get a huge amount of play just for the end of the school year. Bullshit. So it's the vitamin C of this year. Yeah, the Boz Lerman, as it were. The sole interesting thing about this song is something that oh, when I was listening to it with Sarah, she picked up on immediately. This is a sample repeated over and over again of Pachelbel's Canon in D just transposed to B. Hmm. It sounded familiar, but yeah, I couldn't quite pick up what Holy it was. Holy shit, it, it is. is. That is that really is, yeah. That's I'm exactly amazed. what it is. Huh. I'm amazing. Good on you, Sarah. I tip my music glass to Sarah. Congratulations yeah. on that. Yeah. Well Very done. Nice. Very nice. So it makes me hate it even more. <laughs> You're like, fuck Pachelbel to that hack. No. It's it's such a hacky move to use Canon and D. So hacky. I swear to God, Maroon 5, when they write their songs, they they all go get like Mad Libs and put their songs together that way. I've liked a couple of Maroon 5 songs in our previous uh, top tens. And this one, for me, again... Is forgettable, but I, I don't hate it. It's fine. Their, their, their next fucking song is going to be all about leggings and Uggs and Starbucks. They're just going to stop fucking pretending that they're making music for anybody but MILFs. <laughs> Jesus, don't hold back. You know, he's I not fucking wrong, hate though. I hate Maroon 5 so much. Jesus, you know he's not wrong. <laughs> I got my so Uggs, I got my, my Uggs, Uggs and, my, and I got my myself coffee. a pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> Oh, shit. I hate it when you're right. I almost feel like I have to love this song just to cancel out Pat's extreme stance on Maroon 5. <laughs> got my eco-friendly straw downtown to the bar. All right. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm sorry. Did, did I get my hate all over the show? <laughs> <laughs> Still wiping it off my lips. Oh God, Joel's eco-friendly straw line made me choke. <laughs> All right, moving on to number three, we have a recurring uh, Post Malone with Circles premiered this song live during his Bud Light Dive tour in New York City, where he claimed it would be released the following week. A snippet of the track 
post it to his YouTube channel. And then he previewed the song on uh, Jimmy Fallon. That was released on September 3rd and reached number one on the Billboard Hot, U- Hot 100 for the week of November 30th, topping the chart for three non-consecutive weeks and uh, marking Post Malone's fourth number one song. I hate to say this, but I like Post Malone. Yep, I'm right there with you, Mike. The guy looks like a ridiculous clown, but he is talented. If you were to, to if you were to take play this song to me and put a series of albums in front of me and with Post Malone on the cover and all that, it'd be like, who sang this song? I would never choose him. But yep. I, after uh, shit, what was the name of the song that he did for uh, Sunflower with uh, the Into the Spider Verse? I am more and more impressed with this guy's range and ability to sing. Uh, not so much with his face. Don't watch an interview with him. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I I'm really have this weird thing. Look at all the videos that he does. He's always carrying a sword. Does he do, have not, do not smell him. I, I've heard that that is an unfortunate experience. Oh, nice. That was one of my bucket list things. Smell Post Malone. I'm right taking it off. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, dude is talented. Now uh, this is the other song that I legitimately liked, mm-hmm. which tells you something, I guess, about what's coming. But yeah, and this this is my other half like song. So yeah, t- also tells you about the next two. Well, the dude looks like a SoundCloud rapper. Yeah, mm-hmm. and looks like he did time but for a long time. But he makes fun music. Yeah, he's got an amazing voice, and his. Have you ever heard him do acoustic stuff? I have not. I have. Really good. Like I've heard, I've heard him play just like straight guitar and singing before, and it's you know like acoustic guitar and singing, and he's he's phenomenal for what he does. I mean, and I wish that I wish the poor guy had a rewind button where he can go back and be like, you know, maybe face tattoos and a grill isn't the best way to go for the music I'm going to wind up making. But you know that that sets him apart, though. I mean, if that's the way he's comfortable and that's who he is good for him for being living his best life but yeah i mean if 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 you put up the song and then you put up a series of pictures like you were saying like a lineup at a at a police station mm-hmm. he would not be the one i picked for that song no not at all i would have picked lewis capaldi or adam levine you know somebody else that looked more like the voice coming out yeah um, but you know, good on him. I mean, he's he's breaking stereotypes, I guess. But yeah, it's not like anybody sees you on the radio. So <laughs> he definitely has a face for radio. He says, looking awkwardly to the rest of you, um, <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm the pretty one. It's not true. Pat's a pretty one, actually. But anyway, yikes. <laughs> so, doesn't say much for you guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm the post Malone in the group. <laughs> oh, right. But I don't smell. I don't. I do smell. Well, I, at least I we haven't that. told you. But... No, I, I, I may not be very uh, positive about many things about my appearance and whatnot, but I know I don't smell. That's okay, because everybody knows despair doesn't have a scent. Um, <laughs> thank, thank God. <laughs> or, may, or maybe that is what I what I admit. <laughs> That's Pat's odor in the morning. It's yeah, like maybe when we're you... all just nose blind to it. <laughs> maybe it does. <laughs> What's that Let's smell? move on to number two. <laughs> number two, future featuring Drake and Life is Good. Uh, it's future with Drake together and latest collaboration between the two who notably recorded a joint mixtape yeah what a time to be alive and is expected to be the lead single in the sequel to their mixtape debuted at number two on the u.s billboard hot 100 working on a weekend like usual way off in the deep end like usual niggas swear they passed us they doing too much haven't done my taxes i'm too turned up virgil got a paddock on my wrist going nuts Niggas caught me slipping once, okay, so what? Someone hit your block up, i tell you if it was us. Man, a house in Rosewood, this shit too plush. Say my day's a number, but I keep waking up. No, you see my text, baby, please say something. Wine by the glass, your man, a cheapskate, huh? All right, clarify this for me. Did he say, can't do my taxes because I'm too strung up? Too turned, turned up. up. Too, too turned, turned up, yeah. Turned up. Oh, totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's both like high and drunk. And now, I'm sorry. I just didn't expect to see their lyric about tax. <laughs> well, that just no. goes to show you that you know that this is not a song about Drake's life experience. You're obviously, not a golfer. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, uh, okay, somebody else talk because I'm going to get my shit together. Isn't Drake? I mean, he's kind of the the poser for one. No, I mean, isn't Drake like one of the big rap guys right now like no yeah, i mean yeah. all of his songs sound like this though he's not so much a rapper as he's a singer right drake. Yeah, he, okay i mean this is what a generic drake song sounds like which was fine but i've heard this song before where you have a drake song stapled on to some other guy's song and they don't sound like they're the same song right and this is not the first collaboration he's done like that, where I imagine the conversation with Future was like, okay, I got this track. I want you to come in on the track, and here's what it sounds like. And Drake's like, well, that's cool and all, but I want to do this entirely different song. And Future's like, well, this is Drake. He's way more famous than I am, so fuck it. I guess we're doing both songs and just smashing them together. Well, it's very much like the song A Day in the Life by the Beatles, where each one of them, you know, John Lennon and Paul McCartney came together and were like, I have this half of a song I don't know what to do with. And they found a way to put them together. And Drake found a way to like make a career out of doing that. Except the Beatles had talent. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, there's the big thing right there. Yeah, he, he made a career out of doing that poorly. Well, and I have liked some some individual Drake songs. That was just an easy shot to take. This is just not one of them. Like His portion of it was entirely generic, paint-by-the-numbers Drake. And Future's part is just bad. Future is trash. I mean, really, I, I've never liked a single thing that he has produced. That, that he had, Well, I shouldn't say produced because that means something different in music. But I, I haven't liked a single thing that he has come out with. Hmm. And I just remembered that Drake is the one that in the, one of the previous Billboard charts, I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. the God, God's plan. God's plan. Yeah. 
I did not care for that at all. I was getting him confused with somebody else. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and watching the video just kind of infuriated me um, unreasonably because just watching these two, you know, very successful, wealthy guys pretending to be hardcore, you know, like blue collar workers and now, oh, life is so tough. And I'm like, yeah, you're pretending to be mechanics and you don't have a, a splotch of dirt on you. You're pretending to be this, that, and the other, you know, all these different things. Say, like, you're just a couple of millionaires, like, like role playing as working class bums. And it just, you know, and like, look how fun this is to pretend to be poor. Like, you know, fuck off. I don't know. This song infuriated me. Song video combo. Yeah, I was unimpressed. All right, then. So let's go to number one. That <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just me. Yeah, the. Uh, this is currently the number one song in the land. Roddy Rich, The Box. Came out in December. Part of the studio album. Please excuse me for being antisocial edgy. Roddy Rich's highest charting song worldwide, reaching number one on U.S. Billboard, Rolling Stone Top 100, Canadian Hot 100, as well as peaking as number two in both the U.K. and Ireland, and reaching top five in Australia and New Zealand. The song's popularity was attributed to its use in a series of viral videos on TikTok. There it is. You know what you're in for now. Mm-hmm. It's so great that Stevie Wonder and Smokey Robinson blaze a trail for music. <laughs> you know, there's they, despite the fact that this song became popular because of matching that to like mirrors being cleaned or doors being opened. That's <laughs> that's actually what made the song popular. But there's there are some while I don't like this, there are a few interesting things going on. Like I do appreciate like the combination of like the normal trap stuff with like Chicago drill beats. Like the the beat is actually kind of interesting in a way that you don't usually see two styles that are way different in hip hop mashed together. It wasn't enough for me to like the song, but I can like appreciate why others might. I don't know. I can give you that, that the mixture of the beats, the mixture of the two, it, it the layer on the beats was pretty neat. And you could but, definitely imagine this song playing in a club. Oh, for yeah. sure. hundred percent. Or bumping in a car. Like I didn't find it had much interesting to say to me, but this isn't for me. And like, I can appreciate what he did with it musically, even though I didn't much like it. I don't know. I, f- I found it pretty generic. I, I like, I could hear it in, in a car driving down the street. Other than that, I wouldn't be able to pick it out in the lineup Eat of other too. songs. Yeah, that'd be the only thing maybe that you might be able to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you said you watched some of the evolution of hip-hop when they get into like the differences between trap and drill. Like Those things don't normally go together, and I think this guy has got a career from taking styles that are usually 
confined to a specific area, like from Chicago or Atlanta or various places and just, okay, I'm going to mash these things together and make them work. And I don't really care that I'm not from these places. I'm just going to make a hit. And that's cool. You know, if, if he wants to do that, or if that was the, you know, the intent, more power to him, but it still comes off as kind of there, you know, personally. <laughs> We're mashing things together. Dude, we can probably make a song from that 10 minutes we spent last show just making random noises <laughs> to each other. And and Ruth May, you know, doing the vocals. Yeah. So uh, there we have the top 10. For better or worse. Better or worse. Do we want to pull a top song from either of these for us? That's what we usually do, right? One yeah. from yeah. then, one from now. Joel. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. That's always fun. What's your then from then and now? I'll start because for me, it's pretty obvious. Rock With You is my number one from like if there's it's almost unfair if there's Michael Jackson in then because there's a good chance. Mm. This, this is one where like had it been a bigger song from Queen, probably Queen tops MJ overall in my musical life. But these two songs up against each other, I'm actually going to go with Rock With You. I'm just the opposite. I'm going to go with crazy little thing called love. Oh, yeah. I'm with Pat on this. Uh, I'm just thinking about songs that I would actively put on in the car and listen to as much as I like Michael Jackson. And I celebrate his entire catalog. If I'm going to load up a Michael Jackson song, it's going to be, you know, like 20 other ones. Yeah. I would put a bunch of other stuff. I love rock. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But queen, I would, I would put that song in a heartbeat. For me, it's probably going to be Rupert Holmes. I, I, I could have called that, yeah. Well, I'm no, I'm kidding. Honestly, that Rupert Holmes oh. is, is a fun song. <laughs> but, like, yeah, that makes sense. But um, I'm, you know, I'm cashing in the same chip that Josh said. If Michael Jackson was not in this lineup, I probably would have called it. But "Rock with You" is quite possibly the best song of that. The top ten from the from the then for me. Interesting. All right, it's Michael Jackson, man. Well, hey, I, I I I said it as well. I'm I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. What about now? For now, this was tough because as interesting as I find the uh, Dance Monkey, it's still going to just by a nose go to Post Malone Circles. Like this is probably of the 10 songs, the one I'm, I I might listen to both of them, like put them both on a playlist, but I think I would probably listen to Circles more often than Dance Monkey. Joel, what about you? Well, I think for me, the the Tones and I song and the Post Malone song, I'd want to sit with a little while longer and probably branch out and listen to some of their other stuff. I mean, I only know two Post Malone songs that, like, that I could pick out of a lineup at this point. But I, that, that Louis Capaldi song is something more like what I would listen to on my own, maybe more so in the 90s or the 80s. But, you know, it, it hits that wheelhouse for me, kind of singer-songwriter. Uh, I'll go with Post Malone. Going with wow. If I if yeah I, if I was forced to choose out of these, that's the one I would. <laughs> You're being forced. If you have yeah. to choose anything at all, okay. Yep. yep. I was very unpleasantly shocked at how bad I did not like any of these songs. Like like you said at the beginning, you know, it's, it's like I try I try to watch these, listen to these with an open mind and everything, and I frequently find songs I I like. This was just a, a, a barren wasteland for, for me. No, can all be uh, can all be winners. I mean, I'm I hate to echo Josh on from the then to the now, but 
Dance Monkey was pretty good, but the Post Malone, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm getting more and more impressed with that guy. His stuff is really good. I think he's got a great voice. And Circles is a really good song. I mean, the music video with him in armor is yeah, kind it, of strange. Well, it didn't hurt that it was medieval and everything, which is kind of, you know, always fun to Yeah. To go along with that the the samurai one that he did before, you know. Right. No, I'm going with Post Malone for the now. He's like the Quentin Tarantino of music. <laughs> Carrying swords sure and sucking feet. <laughs> Joel, what are we doing next? <laughs> next week we're talking about romantic comedies. <laughs> Ain't we? <laughs> we are. <laughs> what the hell that was? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're doing romantic comedies. We uh, did a draft, and uh, we chose um, some personal favorites of ours from then and now. Yeah, just in time for for Valentine's Day. So, yeah, if you have your opinions on our then or now, you want to tell us that we're right or wrong about any of our various opinions on the music, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And uh, our old, our older stuff, our older shows, you can find all 300 plus of them on uh, Apple Podcasts, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse, FM, NoonFM.com, and all over the place can't find us you ain't trying as our curmudgeonly friend patrick says yeah (laughs) (laughs) squeaky door and a sprinkler (laughs) and ruth may how do you know her name is ruth i looked it up i was gonna say he's there's no way he didn't google that (laughs) yep i googled it well ruth may i hope you have a good night thank you i will Okay, so I, I got uh, two other potential possibilities, recent remakes that we haven't hit yet. There's Dumbo and Aladdin. Both were 2019. We didn't do either. Ooh, Aladdin. Ooh. We oh we can we can get Joel we can get Joel to feel something. I I thought you were gonna be like you're gonna compare Dumbo and Aladdin. What the, I don't get it. We can we can call it the uh, Aladbo show. It's <laughs> that funny. <laughs> Ladbo. Still working on one of the songs in my head. Maybe uh, one ear. No, I was trying to do the one. uh, Yeah, step ahead of the red line. Trying to come up with a parody, but mashed them. Did it work? Not yet. Uh-huh. I'll be done seeing about everything when I see an Arabian guy. No? Okay. Veteran <laughs> <laughs> Wives coming up with something. This is yeah. gold, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely be- definitely better than where I was going, I'll tell you that. Still not great. All right. He, Sounds he like a good thing. the opposite way. He went with a Dumbo song. Right? Re- referencing. Yeah, he, he, he flipped the script on us. Yeah, that's why it worked. Mm. Why is it still going? Okay. I was more curious if Zero Two actually had that. 
Did it? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lad bow. 